What's up, podcast listeners? It's Jason here, and sadly, today is my last day working as an intern on Team Gary. However, today you get to hear a unique interview with The Daily Line, some great questions about Vayner Media and our approach to advertising. Enjoy and tweet at Gary V with any feedback. Gary V up next. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. So tell me, yes. I've just had a very quick briefing here um, from Harriet, but um, I gather you've got a little bit of a different take on the market. Than a little bit of a different take, yes. I think, um, you know, we started the company 10 years ago. I, as an individual, through my content and things of that nature, have been quite loud, but as an agency, we've been incredibly quiet, uh, hence why um, I think we're kind of ready to get a little louder, hence why we made the amazing okay. addition of was Harriet. That, was that a, um, a... Super deliberate. Super deliberate, being quiet. Yes. What, what was the rationale behind that? I think when you're disrupting, you know, the longer people underestimate you or don't even know you exist, tends to have value. Um, I also, yeah. I also was coming from the outside. I was coming from Silicon Valley investing and okay. and wine e-commerce. So I was, really? I came from a very different background. I, um, yes. Wine e-commerce. In 1996, I launched one of the first e-commerce wine businesses in America. Okay. So that was my first career, being a marketer for my family's liquor business and launching this big e-commerce business was really how I learned my craft of media and creative and things of that nature. And so, um, what, please. Tell me, what made you decide to leave wine? I mean, personally, I'd, I'd have stuck with the wine, but you know, what made it was a family. It was a family business. Okay. And uh, my, I, you know, I got to, I got into my early and mid thirties. I'd invested in Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr, okay. which obviously changed the course of my career. Yeah, the world the world opened up for me a little bit. And I started realizing that I was a marketer, that I was a marketer that happened to run a wine business. I was a marketer that happened to understand how to invest in apps because I thought they would be the platforms that people would market on. So there was a little bit of a self-awareness, self-revelation kind of going on for me. And then I also knew that I didn't know anything about the biggest companies in the world. That I had done the small business thing, that I've done the Silicon Valley thing, but I had never really understood what Coca-Cola or Budweiser or BMW was thinking. And more importantly, watching from the outside, I was curious to why they were doing what they were doing. So I decided to start the agency for two reasons. One, I wanted to learn that world. Yeah. And two, I wanted to buy brands eventually. Wow. So my yeah, big ambition okay. to be in this industry is to buy nostalgic brands from CPG holding companies. Okay. Wow. Yes, yeah, so a little bit of a different angle. Yeah. <laughs> and so that all manifests, as you can tell, in the form of creating a very different shop. First of all, the first 30 to 40 employees at VaynerMedia back in 2009 to 2011 had zero days of agency experience. So that was interesting. Num- number two, I built an agency that did creative and media all under one house. Okay. Which now seems to be a conversation but was very foreign in 2009 when I started VaynerMedia. Okay. Uh, How many people have you got at that agency now? Eight. eight just over 800. Okay. Wow. Hey. Yeah. I thought you were going to say 40 or something. You know, this yeah. is back to kind of this strategy you know, so, yeah. by being so quiet, 
you know, we've been able to sneak up on our size, our scale. You know, we have an office in London. We're, in, we're opening up Singapore this summer. So. Yeah. 800 people? Yes. Wow, I'm, I'm absolutely blown away by that. That's a big agency. Yeah, it's the biggest, yeah. you know, it's funny. I think when you walk around here, and Harriet, maybe you can add some context. It's interesting, you have a small group of people who are either our clients, which we have many of, or people that have worked with us, or people that have followed me on social that have a bigger inclining and probably think we're the next big thing. And then you have an enormous amount of people walking around here that still have never heard of us. And it's kind of fun to be an enigma. Yeah, but it's But it's also fun to now be at a maturity level where when you're not only 800 people, when you're not only you know, $150 million revenue business and you're an independent, I mean, I don't know the stats on Wyden and Kennedy, but we have to be the largest independent agency in this industry besides Wyden, and yet by not over-emphasizing uh, on press and awards in our first decade, it hasn't allowed the industry to get to know us just yet. Okay. Which, which will be fun to you know, be involved in the industry a little bit more in this next decade. Um, sorry, you just mentioned a couple of stats there. Can you run those past me again? You said you. Um... Our revenues are going to be 150 million this year. Whoa. Our our headcount, you just heard. Yeah. Um, you know, we work with Pepsi and Kraft and Chase and. Yes, Harry? I think you're right. Yeah. It's funny. As such a showman, I'm try- it's funny that I'm more conservative on the numbers I throw out than higher. <laughs> I think we're tracking to be a bit more than 100. Yeah, plus yeah. <laughs> um, You said you were going to, your, your ambition was to buy nostalgic brands. Have you um, fulfilled that or are you still heading towards, is that your goal still? It's my goal. The only thing I was probably very wrong about when I started the company 10 years ago was that the world would melt financially five years ago, five years later. Mm. That was my big thesis. Let me learn the industry. And then let me buy a brand and convert my talent okay. into the brand. So we're, you reckoned that we were going to have a double dip? I did. I thought 09 with the bailout was a bad mm. decision and, and was putting a Band-Aid. Mm. And my intuition was that the world was going to melt. My, my main thesis to start the industry was Facebook, Amazon, and Netflix were going to win. And that the yeah. world was going to melt. And I was right about three of the four things. Yeah. And the fourth one has led to a very different path. I originally thought my agency would be converted into a brand. Mm-hmm. Now, it's too big of a company and we enjoy it too much that when I do buy a brand eventually in three, five, seven, nine years, uh, then, mm-hmm. then, it, then we're gonna still keep the agency, obviously. And we're gonna take some of the agency people over to work on the businesses, but um, yeah, yeah. I just don't know when that will be. And, I'm not, and honestly, I'm so worried about building the agency that I'm not overly, I can't control that anyway, so I have to, I have to be prepared, but I don't spend a whole lot of time trying to figure out when. This is fascinating stuff. Um, Yes, it's definitely interesting. interesting. Yeah, definitely interesting. Um, I also, I also think it's double interesting, let me tell you why. I'm not sure, but one of my things that I'm very passionate about is to inspire a bigger push towards independent agencies doing different things. Yeah. I think it would be healthy for the business. I, don't, I, don't th- I, think, I think the holding companies are smart enough to know what they need to worry about is the consultancies. Yeah. Right? They're gonna worry about Accenture and others. But I do think for the health of the industry, having more significant independent shops, yeah. I think would really matter. 
Well, you see that in television. I mean, the great, most of the great kind of creative ideas from television and drama and things are come, certainly in the UK, coming out of the, the indie community. They have more freedom. Yeah, you, more you know, freedom. I mean, yeah. let's call it what it is. There's a, there's a very financially heavy infrastructure mm. to this creative field. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's very most, true. you know, when you look at all the great creative shops that have work down there, mm. at the end, if you follow all the lines, they're run by a CFO. Yeah. They're not yeah, run yeah. by a CCO. Right. Yeah, that's true. That is true, and yeah. I think it's something that's worth having more of a conversation about. Yeah. Now, my problem with this is going to be the fact that if Jules is in a good mood, I may have 300 words, <laughs> I may have 250, you know? Good. Here's some good news. Here's some yeah. good news. We're very grateful for one word. Oh, so whatever happens, it happens. I know it's not that. It's just that, in terms of um, what you would like me to, what message you're down here giving us. Here's a couple. The, yeah. Here's a couple. So, what, what would you like me to focus on within my 300 words? That um, that we need a more progressive conversation on volume of creative. That the industry needs to start not demonizing quantity. Okay. This notion that quality is given up when you do a quantity of creative okay. is a huge misnomer and something that I think would really benefit the industry and most of all the brands. And how, in what way would it benefit? Most brands can't make relevant creative because they're not making enough creative to hit the many different cohorts they need to be talking to. Okay. And so they end up making one vanilla piece of video. And uh, I see what you mean. Don't, don't speak because I want to just get this down with you in, your, in your great words. I'm sorry, they're not making enough creative to hit all the cohorts, so just making one vanilla piece of work. Okay. You know, we, 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 are too, we are too infatuated with reach and not enough around relevance. Mm. And if you don't make 70, 400, yeah. 3,000 pieces of meaningful content, you can never create actual relevance. Yeah, okay. But if you go walk the streets right now, one of the worst words in the creative community is volume and quantity. That's very true, yeah. And that needs to be cut, we need to have a more thoughtful conversation around it. Yeah, they're bad words at the moment. Value. They are. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I, funny enough, there was a, I was at a net, um, a, um, a net, a, no, God, HBO session yesterday yes. where they were saying, oh, how can you increase your output without sort of losing the secret source of HBO, you know, volume, and how can you do that without... Now, now I, that in the form of a one-hour drama is a far more interesting debate than mm. trying to communicate a toothpaste or a shampoo or a soda pop <laughs> yeah, to the yeah. end consumer, right? Yeah. You know, if I'm trying to sell, no, what, what, what we know about long-form video, mm. the, theater, movies, television is some shows are not meant for everybody. We have four yeah, people here true. and that's okay. That's fine. Meanwhile, yeah. we have this audacious conversation that this 30-second spot's supposed to make everybody yeah. inspired to buy. Uh, that's very true. HBO does do a lot of creative. Yeah, they, they do. They have many different shows. If HBO was a creative agency, they would have one show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, uh, so that's a very important Here's another point. one. Yeah, here's one other important, and I know it's limited words, and, and, but I'll, you do whatever you do. I'm yeah, gonna give yeah, you one yeah. more point that's a big for us. Okay. We are outrageously structured on actual business results. Okay. Because my selfish ambition is to own businesses, all the work we're doing is actually trying to figure out how to drive businesses, not maximize our revenue. And okay. that has led us to being more, more client-centric. 
Okay. Because I don't want to necessarily be the most profitable. Mm-hmm. I want to figure out if my hypotheses are true. Yeah. Can I? Um, sorry, you can. Whether, yeah. Um, I'm assuming that your early career in wine and investing in Twitter and you know gave you the kind of finances to kind of support your vision. Yes, but yeah. you'll appreciate this. I take mm-hmm. even more pride sure, in the yeah. fact that I know how to run a business and we haven't raised any capital yeah. and we've been able to pay the payroll every mm-hmm. single week and it hasn't needed me to include any capital for my personal self. So I'm, as you can tell by my answer, I, I'm very proud you that I'm be. an actual yeah. business operator because a lot of people you know, run businesses that don't make money because they're getting VC capital and other people are, are running businesses that over try to extract profit mm-hmm. at the expense of their clients because they're publicly traded. So sure. I feel like I have this nice little middle zone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you've, you're gonna stick your head above the parapet. You've come down here now yes. and you're gonna go, hey guys, I'm here, you know, we're here and we're huge actually and you've never heard of us or most of you haven't. How are you going to go about doing that in Cannes? What are you just, are you just Slowly. talking to people? Slowly. You? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. I've been coming to Cannes for you're seven not, years. And you're not, you're not involved in any seminars? I am. Or, I yeah. am. I love speaking to the young lions. I just did yeah. uh, a talk, uh, I'm not sure in where the... Oh, okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm doing this with you. Like, yeah, you sure. know, we're, but, but the reality is this. When you're running a marathon, you do marathon behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And so, the answer to your question is patiently. <laughs> Which, you know, confuses people because I have high energy as a human, and so yeah. they confuse my natural DNA with my business behavior. Yeah. You know, this is my seventh year at can. Yes. And so, uh, even though I'm high energy and confident and excited, I'm also respectful, and I didn't want to scream from the top of my lungs yeah. And you know when I you know I've been patient. I've been learning. Now that we've got a little bit of a real, a business that you know I think, you know it. You know, I'm flattered when people are like whoa. And you know we you know now that I understand the industry. Now that I know we're having an independent shop in ten years at this scale, puts us in the history of the industry. Yeah. Not just right now. In yeah. the history of the industry, how many people have gone from zero to 150 million independently is very far and few between. Um, uh, I take a lot of pride in that, and I, and I and I and I enjoy being part of this industry, even though we might be taking a little bit of a different point of view on it. Yeah, that's. This is fantastic. I'm going to, unfortunately, stop you there. Makes sense because like you only have so much um, limited time. Of, well, yeah. it's not so much ethics. I've got so few words. <laughs> limited um, space. Yeah, Thank you for your yeah, time. Yeah. Well, no. Thanks guys for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. (laughs) Have a great day.